What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Our next guest is the author of The Orgasmic Entrepreneur. Discover the sweet spot of love, sex, and business by simply being you. That's right. Keep listening. You want one minute? It's this one. Five, four, three, two, one. This is the Good Dudes Grow 2.0. medicine and psychedelics on mental and physical health. We're bringing you stories of how these medicines have changed lives and can save lives. We want to teach you the healing power of plant-based medicine. This is the Good Dudes Grow 2.0. All right, welcome back, Good Dudes Grow 2.0. I am excited about today's show. I have Melissa Drake on. She's been basically 25 years in the, the corporate world, and then all of a sudden, turned everything upside down, became an entrepreneur. And now she's leading other entrepreneurs with a whole new set of books that I, I, I didn't even know about, but I saw, I listened to her TEDx and uh, you guys learned the intro. So I did, so, you know, Melissa, I did the intro, basically the orgasmic entrepreneur intro. And I left it there just to see how, if I, how many people actually <laughs> jump on and wondering what in God's name is he talking about? So, I love so, it. I love, <laughs> so I love Melissa, it. welcome, welcome to the show. Give us a little background on yourself, please. Thank you so much. Oh, I'm grateful to be here. So thank you for having me. Background on myself. Well, um, yeah, the 25 years corporate world in the insurance industry, very buttoned up industry where I was um, constantly trying to fit into a box that was really very uncomfortable for me. I also spent most of my life being told I was severely depressed and I, and I was depressed. Like I literally spent almost seven years in bed after my parents died. And um, heavily, heavily medicated. Uh, we're talking like almost a thousand pills every month that I would take to manage my conditions. And um, Facebook changed my life. When I started joining Facebook and started like really reading and discovering uh, myself at the tender age of, you know, 40 ish, I learned that I wasn't really depressed what I was, was suppressed and repressed and trying to fit into a box where I didn't necessarily belong. Uh, so life threw a bunch of curveballs at me to get me to wake the hell up, uh, starting with two concurrent chronic illnesses, my son going away to college, and then my only son, a single mom since he was two, and then I lost my corporate job. So at that time, I decided that I had a choice to make, and I was very adamant that I know everything happens for a reason. In fact, I got a tattoo right after I lost my job, uh, stating that fact, and I wanted to do something different. Um, so then I became an entrepreneur, and as part of that journey, I became myself. And I'm still kind of growing into that and just learning what that means. I spent my whole life doing for others and being what I thought other people wanted me to be and fitting into the socially accepted, you know, standards. And then I just decided to be me instead. And that's well, so much more fun. <laughs> well, that's that's pretty cool. And being an entrepreneur, everybody knows, is not easy because, like you said, no. it's always changing. You're finding yourself. There's nobody, like you said, there's really no box that you can say, okay, you know what? I can close it now. I can go home. The box stays there. 
you're consistently growing with whatever business you're growing, correct? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And it has been probably the hardest journey of my life uh, is the entrepreneurship journey. And you're absolutely right about not being able to put it down. Uh, Work from home, you know, it's always around. But there is an advantage to that, too. And that is you can be who you are in every aspect of your life. And that's really what the orgasmic entrepreneur is about. It's really not about um, orgasms, although there are, (laughs) it's it's really not uh, about that. It's about just being yourself in all aspects of your life. So when I show up to meet a client, I'm the same as when I show up to meet a date. I am the same person. And again, it took me a really long time to go into and figure out who that person really is instead of and that it to be and that's tough because because especially if you're meeting new people you always think that you have to put on like you said this somebody else to either like if you're going to a meeting and you're trying to, to say get investors or something like like we're trying to do with our project you're always trying to think like i have to go in and, and be somebody i'm not so that I can, they can like me so they think who i am and it's really confusing and most of the time you end up just exploding and it just doesn't work (laughs) well and it's exhausting and it's not honest so um and and what happens when you do that is you're more concerned about their interest versus am i really even interested is this a good partner for me so when you show up as who you are then you can really evaluate are they a good partner for me are they a good client are they a good person i want to date um And then when you do that, and it's scary because there are people who don't want to do business with me because I'm unconventional, because I swear, because I have tattoos. And honestly, that's okay. That's okay. So it's having that abundance mindset and knowing that there are people out there who like you exactly for who you are, instead of trying to be who you think they want you to be. And chances right, are right. who you think they want you to be isn't accurate either. Like it's all yeah. just suspect. So why not just be honest and be who you are? Yeah. Plus you, you really don't want to go down that road trying to be somebody else. Cause then, like you said, it's so much work to continually Excellent. keep that facade. And next thing you know, you become real and they're like, well, who the hell is this person? It's not the person I met. Yes. No, this is the person ultimately, I was hiding in the closet. Gonna, they just came out. Yes. Yeah, exactly. You're ultimately going to end up being yourself at some point. So why not just start there? Like, why not just, cut out all of the bullshit and be who you are. So, so let me ask you this. So you, you're, you're severely depressed. You're taking a bunch of medication. And, and this is a lot, a lot of what we talk about. And I, I'm slowly going into how to help first responders get over a, a mm. traumatic stress injuries. Uh, I hate to, I hate to use a, a syndrome because it's not really a syndrome. We found out it's an injury. It's the same way as having a concussion. Yes. It's an injury to the brain that's constantly there. How did you, because some people will be thinking right now, listen, she had a corporate job. She was depressed. Then she went into an even tougher job by doing everything by herself. And she was depressed then. How did she not become depressed even more trying to figure out who she was and what to do? So the truth is, I didn't become not more depressed. Like, I am still depressed. Like, I still have bouts of depression. I just wrote a post yesterday. Um, actually, I wrote it a while ago. I finally posted it about suicidal ideation. Like it still happens just like everything in life. We just manage it better. We get new tools. We get new 
um, people to work with and we just learn how to navigate it different. It's like grief when you lose a loved one. You always have that hole in your heart and you just learn to live with it differently. So <clears throat> I, I say I've recovered from depression in the way that I don't spend time in bed like I used to. Sometimes I do though, you know, like it's, it's not, oh, I'm cured, I'm, I'm, I'm better. But the one thing that really, really changed my life was dancing. And dancing. dancing, yeah. And that's what my first book is about. It's called Transcend Dance. And um, I didn't know it at the time, but what happened was when you're dancing, you, you're automatically grounded. You're automatically present. You're in your body. And I had spent so much time numbing my body, not paying attention to its signals, that when I was on the dance floor, I was like, oh, I'm present <laughs> and I'm getting all these ideas and I'm happy. Like, I'm just smiling like crazy when I'm on the dance floor. So that was the thing that really kind of turned things around. for me. So I, I kind of do the same thing. I don't dance, but if you see me dance, I kind of dance like Elaine on Seinfeld. So it's definitely yeah, never good. I do too sometimes. <laughs> well, listen, if I start dancing, my wife says, no, 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 no. Cut that out. That's not we, this, this. I don't know you if you dance. Just don't get up and dance because I will leave. So basically, but I work out, but I feel the same way as when I work out as what you say when yes. you're dancing, you feel the whole body. I get the best ideas. I think clear. Uh, that's why I work out first thing in the morning because I'm able to plan yes. my day. It, it, it's, it's like a, you're, you're like you said, you're grounded, you know, yes. Yes. how it's going to work. So I know exactly what you're, what you're talking about. And is this where you got the idea for the, for the, the book, the sacred medicine integration? Is that, is that part of something that helped you or how, how do you get involved with that? No, so the sacred medicine book. So basically, um, I was way off on that. So you were way off. Like, no, not really. It's like it's no, all, it's all not, connected. Not, no, not no, even close. No. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> this is me being me. I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, this is me being me. So don't worry about it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So I uh, I took a neurolinguistic programming class, and I met a woman in there who had experience with plant medicine. And um, she has since become my best friend. She took me to a couple of ceremonies. And the first ceremony that I went to <clears throat> was a combo ceremony. Are you familiar with combo? Okay. Uh, no. I, I think so. I'm not sure, but if my okay. listeners no. aren't, explain it. All right. So combo is a, the venom from a poisonous frog. And what they do is they... They burn your skin. It almost looks like a cigarette burn. And then they apply this frog venom and it instantly flushes your system. So automatic purging is the result. Like you're just instantly growing up. It's an energetic and physical cleanse for your body. And so I went to this first ceremony in like mid 2020. So COVID was still kind of, well, still very scary at that point. And there's 40 people in a room at one moment, we're doing intentions and we're talking about how we want to, why we're there and why we're using this medicine. And this guy says to me, I want to be the best me I can be. I figure a better me is better for everyone. And I thought to myself, how beautiful is it that these people are willing to spend their Saturday, pay a couple hundred bucks and purge their bodies in front of everyone. It's a very, very vulnerable experience. So we go through all of this. It's very profound experience and then after it was over we had some snacks and we went home and i was like wait a minute 
something really profound just happened and there was no one to talk about it with. There was no integration whatsoever. And having just completed my NLP um, certification and being a writer and author, I was like, I need to journal on this. So I created a series of questions that really help draw out the, the main message, because anytime we do any kind of plant medicine, whether it's combo, bufo, ayahuasca, or even mushrooms, we get these insights. But if we don't, the insights don't change us unless we put them into practice. And so the journal helps identify what those insights are and then helps to put it into practice. And I was just so surprised that, number one, there were so many people that were into this modality and that they were all walking away without the support to actually make the change in their lives. So when we go to a hypnotherapist or we have, you know, this this experience and I've done it before where I've gone in and I've expected someone to literally just change my brain. Doesn't work like that. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. You have to do the work. And as many times as I tried to get a therapist or a hypnotherapist or a massage or someone to just change my reality, it never changed. The only time my reality ever changed is when I did the work on a daily and consistent basis. So that's how the, the medicine journal came about. Well, that's the first part of how it came about. So let me second, ask you a question. I'm going to yes. cut you off from the first. Please. Cause, cause, <laughs> Please. Okay. Please. I may be off basis here, but so let's go back to where you, you decided to do this. Now, now please understand I, I'm actually building a center for, for, an integration center for psychedelic medicine, research, yes. cannabis to, to, to do this. So I understand exactly where you're coming back with, with the integration part. Well, the thing that I'm confused about, and this is, is I'm that, make that leap. how did you go from, listen, I'm going to take a cigarette, burn you, stick some venom in you, and then we're going to have a great time. And I want you to write about it after that, <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> Cause if somebody just came out with like, Hey, a hey, couple hundred bucks, we're going to go burn ourselves and throw some frog stuff on us. And we'll see what will happen with you in. I'm not really sure that, that this it, it was what I was. I'm not really sure you'd have the same reaction I would have. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how did that all come about? How did you even find that in the first place? That's what I'm trying to get at. Uh, I found it through my friend who had experience and had um, was connected to the community. Um, okay. I had been exposed to it in terms of, so I, I, Another part of my story is I moved from Des Moines, Iowa to the greater Los Angeles area, um, sold the home I owned for 20 years and literally just uprooted and moved across the country. And as you can imagine, things are different here. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> things like uh, plant medicine are a lot more available and accessible and just just talked about casually um, in Los Angeles compared to the Midwest. So when I first moved... Um, I had been exposed to it just through the communities that I had gone to. And, um, but I hadn't really ever made the, the one connection that could, could make it happen. And I kept encountering these people who had done medicine and it changed their lives. And so I was like, I want to do that. And Combo was a good place to start. In fact, one of my good friends, I call him a plant medicine aficionado. 
And he was like, that's where you need to start. Like you need the, the physical energetic cleanse. That's what he, where he had told me to begin. And, and I, I didn't get high till I was 43 years old. So like, it was a jump for, like you said, it, you know, and, and from going all this big pharma pharmacy to completely natural, I've been completely med free since 2017. Um, so yeah. Very no, nice. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. That, that was, that, that is, and you can go to the second part of your story in a minute, just to give a little background on my story. That's how it led me into the plant-based was actually, I was looking to plant-based medicine to help my daughter who was addicted to, who had an opiate dependency from a car accident. Mm-hmm. And, and before it became legal in the South Florida, I couldn't get it to her and she ended up passing away on her 27th birthday. So that's how I got involved. And being a firefighter as well, <laughs> losing several brothers and sisters to the only way out was, was at the end of a barrel of a gun. I decided yeah. there's got to be a different way than pharmaceutical stuff. And what has ended up happening was basically uh, stuff like this, the new innovative psychedelics and cannabis were end of life medications where like you had like, you weren't going anywhere. So let's just try this. And it was working. And that's where all this data is coming from. And I'm like, well, what about pre end of life? What about, you know, why don't we use plant-based med- Yeah. Why don't we use plant-based <laughs> medicine as preventative and do the pharmaceutical as end of life? Because it doesn't matter back then. You know, if we want to feel comfortable with morphine, cause we're going out, well then, you know, so be it. Yes. Yes. The last thing you want to do is pre-morphine and then have the, you know, the, you know, the plant stuff. So that's, that's how we created our, our facility and start how we started going at it. We said, okay, well, first of all, we need to get better access for patients because there's not much access to too many people unless you go to a, to a legal no. state like, like California, but even then, right. so what are you going to do? You have no idea what's going on. You go to a doctor, doctor says, here, go try some marijuana. You go to a store, there's a bunch of shelves. You're like, okay, now what? <laughs> it's, it's overwhelming. <laughs> It, but they it, are it super helpful. Like, yeah, they, 100%. They're, they're, you know, the bud tenders that know what they're doing are 100% super helpful. You got the ones that just been there to open stores and make money. But yeah, they're super helpful. But we decided to create something for the patients. And then like, okay, so let's go backwards. So if we create this for the patients, how are we going to get more information? Them? Well, we need to start training the physicians. Because if we start looking at what happened into the legalized states and the legalized, like in Canada, Canada went from no one night to yes the next morning. And all of a sudden everybody's, hey, I want to smoke a joint and get better and rush to their doctor. And they're just going, what, what, what just happened? What happened? I, have no, I have no idea what you're talking about. So, so we're creating this, the data to help physicians know what this medicine does, how it works. But what we're, we're actually doing, which, is, which blows my mind, is we made partners with biomedical companies that we're actually able to individualize the medication. In other words, we'll know exactly what each psychedelic will do for you and what dosage it can happen. So it's a safer alternative than just going to, to like Latin America and guessing what you can do. So the last thing you want to do as a firefighter who's on the edge and thinking of a barrel of a gun to go do something that throws them over that edge, because you know, as well as I do, I'm sure with some of your research and your friends in the community, if you go in with bad thoughts, well, psychedelics yeah. are going to enhance those bad thoughts. So yeah. the integration part that you're saying has to be pre-integration, do yes. the ceremony, and then post. This is not a one-time medicine fix-all. It's not like going to get your oil changed and your car runs better. Like you said, it you have to follow up and continue and practice yes. what you learned at those sessions. Yeah, and okay, ideally, I would I would love to help people with 
doing NLP processes before they even go into a ceremony or before they even go to experience so that their brain is already set up to accept that experience as valuable, as helpful, as something that's going to change, like just change those limiting beliefs and clear their body, clear their system of the, <clears throat> the negative emotions before they go into a ceremony, before they have that experience. So that's my, my long-term ideal vision is to help people with, with those mindset changes before they go into experience and then afterwards with the integration. So I love we, that. Go ahead. We may have to talk more about that because it may not yes. be a long-term, maybe actually a short-term because you and I, and we're again, we might end up dancing in a boardroom together because that's what we do. I right? love it. We end up <laughs> that is my dream. So, so, you know, that, because that is the same thing that I say, because like you said, there's no, we're working in a long longevity wise. I want preventative. I don't, like I said, I don't want end of stuff. So we got to teach people in the beginning. Like I said, if we can teach them what's going to come up at that session, being more prepared, we'll actually make that session more beneficial yeah. and they'll be able to release more of what they need yeah. to get rid of. And yes. it'll be less <laughs> scary, less blockage and everything else. And it'll be more successful in the long run. And then afterwards we can help them afterwards. And that's what we're planning on doing. So yes, definitely. We need to talk Absolutely. a little bit more. I would love that. But tell me after you started journaling, how, how you continued through, through how that helped you with everything else. So everybody understands we're going through the whole thing. We want to do the thing. We did it. We did it. You found a way of journaling. Cause that's just, how did you continue? Did you find a therapist on your side? Was it just your journal? <clears throat> how did you continue your, your, your help? For for me, writing has always been, I like to say, it helps me gain perspective and process emotions. So for me, I do almost all of my integration through writing. I like after I have a ceremony or experience, I will spend the entire next day, entire day writing and going through the questions. And then the new journal has uh, 30, day, 30 days where you can write everything that comes up during that time. And, um, my son, my, my son, I, I have a 26 year old son. So my heart goes out to you losing your daughter. I can't even imagine what that, what that is like, but he's the one who introduced me to this world initially, like back when he was in high school, he's like, you know, these really famous and, and smart people use medicines like LSD and mushrooms to open their mind and, you know, and. It, rather than shame him about it, I was like, you know, that's kind of interesting. And it just kind of opened a little uh, window in my brain. And like I said, I didn't actually get high until I was 43. Uh, but when I did, I was with my son. It did exactly what he said. It shifted things in my brain. Like when I have any sort of medicine experience, it's like all these records just get filed appropriately like I felt at times like my past lives were integrated that I have been able to ditch the depression that's what happened the first time I got high I was like oh it was like all of the depression washed away and then the deeper medicines that I do um like I've done Bufo a few times and that one oh this is where I was going so one time I was doing mushrooms and my son was like, did you see all the, all the geometric shapes? And, and I'm like, no, dude, it, it felt like my body was activated. And he's like, that's a body high. Don't ever say that out loud again. And, <laughs> and he said, did you open your eyes? And I'm like, no. And he's like, mom, you were on a business trip. 
you have to open your eyes. You have to see the sights. You have to see the fun. But in my world, those those business trips are so valuable because they help me see all of the connections. That's how I've cleared a lot of intergenerational family trauma. That's how I was able to integrate my masculine and feminine dynamics is just like really going in deep with the medicine and doing work. Like it's not, uh, <clears throat> Hey, we're going to see all the sites and have fun. And it's, it's not, it is, it is literal work. Um, and it can be challenging, which is why that back end support and the integration is so important. Um, the, the journal was written. I didn't write it by myself. Um, my, my best friend who introduced me to this world, Myra, um, was one of the authors. And then the other author I happened to meet at a ceremony, um, and he has the same name as my son and is the same age as my son. And his family is involved in the medicine. So like doing medicine with this kind of by proxy for my son and his family, it was just, I just, I can't even describe how valuable that has been for me. So uh, he was the shaman, had studied directly with the tribes and then his medicine partner, Eden, the four of us collaborated to write this book because I'm a newbie. Like I, you know, this is, this is all new to me. I've got the writing down. I've got the NLP down, but the the medicine world is still something I'm, I'm diving into. So I had some co-authors help me and I'm really pleased with the way it turned out. I'm definitely gonna have to get that, check it out. But you know, yes. you, know you you said something that, that, that we're, we're really working on and it's definitely for, for the first responders. And mm-hmm. you talked about how doing it with your son was a, it was a complete different than the first time you did it alone. And we were, we found that, especially first responders, the lack of involving the spouses in something like this will be more detrimental to the family than actually, if you actually decide, hey, listen, bring the spouse with you and let them either participate in it with you because it'll be more of a binding situation, yes. or at least they're going to understand what you are going through because you, you technically come back different than when you started. You and the last thing you want to do is take somebody who's already different in the first place. You spent 30 years suppressing their feelings. Hence the reason why divorce is so high in firefighters and then mm-hmm. send them out somewhere. And he comes, come black completely different when the dude he met, she married. And it's like, right. okay, you went from this guy to that guy. I have no idea who you are and cause bigger risks. So we're organizing a way to get actually both, the firefighter and the spouse together to participate in it at the same time. So that this that. way they both can enjoy the, the outcomes and can support each other. Cause like yes. you said, the big, the work is, is not just going. It's yeah. after you find that out is, what needs to be done. Yes, exactly. You nailed it. And I will say, so when I met Jonathan, the shaman, um, I was dealing with, um, some concern over my son and, um, he, gave me a hug and he just kept whispering in my ear and he said, heal yourself to heal your son, heal yourself to heal your son. And I can tell you in working with this man's family, they have said when he started healing, so he had an addiction and that's why he became a shaman. um, When he started healing, the entire family did. So while it's grand to have all of the family together, even if they're not, 
one person doing the work still impacts everyone in the family. But to your point, it's challenging to do the work when they don't understand what you're going through and you're not supported in that work. So I applaud you for trying to get the fan. I would love my son to do medicine with me. And he's like, I'm not paying someone to go puke, you know, like, and I'm like, but you throw off after a night of partying. And, and what the shaman said about that was really interesting. And he said, when you, when you do medicine like this and, and you're purging, that purging is an offering of the manifestation to come versus when you're purging after a night of drinking, you're releasing the, the yuck that you did. You know, it's, it's a completely different perspective. So, you know, while I would love my family to be involved, that's, that's just not going to happen. But, 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 but you have told your family what you're doing. Oh, absolutely. I'm not silent about it at all. Right. No, but that's the second important thing, because especially yes. people who are actually seeing, like you said, the hardest thing to find in the beginning before you decided to do this were, were psychologists or psychiatrists to help you with your issues. Yeah. But people who are already seeing these people. They need to tell these people, listen, I'm going to go try this and see what that psychiatrist either if he's for it, unfor it, because the last thing you want to do is stick with somebody who's against it and yes. then come back from this trip. You know, it, it and just makes things even harder or even, yeah, yeah, definitely. So, so and the biggest thing Myra, is you plan. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Oh, even if you like, plan on doing it, <laughs> even if you plan on doing it, at least be responsible enough to explain to the people around you that you're going to go try it. So again, they have some chance of understanding what's going to happen when you come back alone at it. So you know, Absolutely. it's a good way to keep everybody in the loop. And there is still, you know, as common as it is, especially in places like California, there is still a stigma or shame around it. Like, oh, you're one of those people or you're doing this, you know, woo crazy uh, stuff. So a lot of people aren't comfortable sharing that they're doing medicine or something that's not normal. Nor, like, I don't ever want to be normal, but you know what I'm saying? It's, it's not. Do I, so yeah. My wife keeps telling me you have to grow up. I'm like, no, I don't. It's no. no fun. It's no. no fun being an adult. <laughs> you know? No, I go into, I go into burning buildings. Who, who does that when you're an adult? <laughs> Seriously. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, like you said, when I heard Mike Tyson, cause I, I uh, we went down to listen to Mike Tyson speak down in Miami when he's here. And when he's talked about, you know, listen, I, I'll lick the toad all day long. He goes, and the good thing about it, he goes, I'm still married and I haven't killed anybody yet. So it must be working. So there you go. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> if it can, if it can flip, if it can flip somebody like Mike Tyson around, mm-hmm. you know, you, there might, there might be an opportunity. You might want to forget the, the stigmatization and give it a whirl. Exactly. And, um, Will Smith uh, just, I haven't watched it yet, but just um, shared his ayahuasca journey too. Did he he share it? uh, Yeah, I saw there was a, I think there's a YouTube video and it's on his book. It's in his new book. Yes, Um, I'm I'm actually reading his new book. It's actually pretty good. Excellent. I bet it is. Actually, actually the best, the best. The best is his his audiobook because he's the one that tells the whole story in it. So when he tells the stories, it's, it's in his his own like language, that. so it's, it's even better. Uh, I like that a lot. And I think the more people like that, uh, and even the more people like me, like I am completely um, 
not what you would expect as someone to do plant medicine. You know, like I'm a 51 year old single mom uh, from the Midwest. You know what I mean? Like I'm not your typical person you would expect on the scene. And I think the more, the more people like you and I who share just everyday experiences, then the more we invite other people to have an experience like this as well. I think the more we actually educate the people and actually create the, how do you say, the journeys to so these people feel safer than just just, just thinking they go because there, there's there's been a lot of research we've done with a lot of places and you were you were you were good because you found some people who were in it and you found some good places but there are a lot of places that are actually dangerous and 100%. stuff like that yes and so if we can take that danger and like we said going through the whole thing and make it a, a more of a medical oversight but as a resort a four-star resort with a medical oversight to have this trip like you're going to sandals resort but we're not drinking we're gonna go lick yes. some toads we're gonna go lick some toads yes. instead yeah, why not? Yes. And that's my shaman's dream too. Like that's exactly what he wants to do. And that would be ideal for, for all of us really is just to be able to participate and help people experience that journey and watch the transformation. It's just really a profound experience. And the medical supervision is fantastic. That's very rare um, in this in, in the experiences that I've had. Um, but I can tell you that the set and setting is crazy important. And I've never, like that, the first time I did Bufo, the main feeling that I got coming out of that was how loved and supported I am. And before I went under, they said to me, um, just know we're taking care of things in this realm. And they were 100%. That's and beautiful. That's, that's a really good feeling really good feeling that's awesome mm -hmm. so if people want to learn more about you where where would they go where do they follow you on social media since you said you were on facebook <laughs> and, and everything else where would they follow you uh so my website is uncorped u-n-c-o-r-p-e-d influence.com and um my instagram is the same my facebook is melissa drake and then i also have a page called brilliant transformations by melissa drake and I share kind of different things in all of those places. That is great. That's great. I will put those in our show notes. Melissa, it was awesome talking to you. It was great meeting you. And yes. We're, we're definitely going to have to keep in touch because we definitely have I'm, some things I see lining up in the future it. with each other. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm so looking forward to that. Thank you so much. And thanks to Paul for introducing us. Definitely. 100%. Thank you. You guys have a great day. I will. You too. Good Dudes Grow 2.0 Thank you for tuning in If you're still listening to this That means you gained something out of this episode So make sure you share it with a friend Leave a review and subscribe So you never miss an episode of The Good Dudes Grow 2.0